you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you want to begin to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy this morning, uh, we're going to uh, just dive in here in just a moment. If you are visiting with us, let me just echo that which Pastor Jade said as well. We are so honored to have you this morning. We pray that your time with us is a time of encouragement, a time where you experience the goodness of God and the grace of God this morning. The Lord would help us for a few moments today. We're going to share with you uh, something that is really touched my heart this week, and uh, I will do my best to deliver it to you as the Lord has given it to me. Uh, I feel like I was hearing from the Lord and close to the Lord as I was finishing. I don't know if I just felt close to the Lord because I was over 30,000 feet as I was typing yesterday, or if it was uh, something else, but uh, I, I want to share with you uh, for a few moments and talk to you about impacting or leading a generation, uh, because today I think all of us probably could relate to this if I was to ask you the question, have you ever been tempted to doubt the impact that you could make for the kingdom? Or have you ever thought, God can't use me because I'm just a simple whatever? You can fill in the blank with that. Most people have never really tapped in to the full potential that they have, all of us included. We can look at generations before us, those that's present, and we will say that oftentimes, if we're honest, the thing that hinders us most is ourselves. And because when we look in the mirror, we see all of the imperfections instead of all of the possibilities. And today, I hope we can maybe address that just for a few moments. In the book of Deuteronomy, we is often known, the book of Deuteronomy is often known as simply this, the retelling of the law. Or it could be said this way, the retelling of a story of events that has happened. And what we find is we find that Moses is standing before the children of Israel, whom he has led for 40 years, and he's now beginning to tell them the story of the last 40 years. He begins to remind them of the goodness of God, the grace of God. He begins to also remind them of the things that they have struggled with. He begins in the book of Deuteronomy to tell them that, you know, there was a day that the Lord came and he led you out of bondage and he was going to take you into the land of promise. He said, I was going to take you on an 11-day journey. He's going to let you go in and receive that which God has ordained for you. And you, I don't need to re-preach or reteach the story, I don't think, of the children of Israel and their wilderness journey this morning. But it's important for us to remember it and reflect upon it because he begins to point out very on in chapter number one, he says, you became a people that began to murmur and complain and you was a people that began to not believe and trust God even after you've seen him do all of these things. 
And he's simply saying that, therefore, there's a generation of you that's not going to go into the promise. You're, you're, you, you, you've defiled the things of God in such a way that, that you're not going to be able to go in. You're going to see it from a distance, but you're not going to experience it. But he said there's a generation that has been born in this wilderness uh, and I am going to keep my promises, uh, the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm not going to go against that. I'm going to keep it. But the children that you thought would perish in the wilderness is the ones that's going to go in and possess the promise. But in the midst of telling this story, we find in chapter 1, verse number 38 and verse number 39, this, this is the word of the Lord. It says, But Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before you, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, which you said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Now, I want to look at verse 38, and this is really what we're going to preach from this morning, if the Lord would help us. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before you, he shall go in. He says, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. We see in our text that we are reading of a time that you could say simply this, it is the changing of the guard, so to speak. Moses is coming to the end of his life. Joshua is one that has walked with him and has experienced the things of God. And Moses, who has led the children of Israel, is setting the stage now for Joshua to lead a generation into a time of prophetic fulfillment. Why do I say prophetic fulfillment? Is because it had been spoken of by the word of God that there was a land of milk and honey that was prepared for the children of Israel. Notice there had been a time previous to Deuteronomy chapter 1 when a charge had been given to Joshua. Numbers chapter 27, verse number 18 and 19 it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man whom is the Spirit, meaning this, a man that has the Spirit of God in him. He said, Take him, lay your hands upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. So before you ever get to Deuteronomy 1, you find in Numbers 27 that there was a day, there was an appointed time where Moses comes, calls Joshua to the forefront, sets him before the priest, sets him before the congregation of the people, lays hands on him, and begins to anoint him and gives him a charge saying this, there is a day that you're not going to walk beside me, but there is a day that you're going to be the one that the mantle of leadership falls upon and you are going to carry a generation into the place of promise. It is clear his decisions would have a lasting impact on those uh, that he was called to lead. Notice the word of the Lord that we read in Deuteronomy 1, 38. It makes it very clear. If he would follow the call, 
it would cause the children of Israel to inherit the promise. Meaning this, if he chose not to, if he chose to abandon his purpose, if he chose to abandon the call of God, it would keep a generation from obtaining their inheritance at that time. I must ask the question to you and I today, is your life, is my life, causing a generation to inherit the promises of God? That's a powerful question this morning. For years, the children of Israel had circled and wandered in the wilderness, murmuring and complaining. They were full of doubt and unbelief, even after seeing God provide for them. Does that sound familiar today? We find that an 11-day journey turned into 40 years, which caused a generation to be born in the wilderness. Get this, the children of Israel could have left Egypt, could have took a journey by faith, trusting in the Lord, uh, stepped into the land of promise, uh, and gave birth to their children in a place that was flowing with milk and honey. But instead, they gave birth to a generation uh, in a place that was barren uh, and that did not have enough. Can I ask the question this morning, uh, have we birthed our children uh, in the presence of God uh, or have we birthed our children uh, in a spiritual wilderness uh, and just told them stories uh, about how good it used to be? Think about it this morning. All they knew was wilderness. Yes, they had heard the stories of the early days they had heard of their parents' exit out of Egypt. Uh, they had heard of the Red Sea. They had heard of Pharaoh's army being overran. Uh, they had heard about the wall uh, of water coming and enclosing and engulfing them. Uh, yes, they had heard of the water flowing from the rock. Uh, and yes, to a certain level, uh, they had even witnessed the provision of God. Can you see it now? Little three and four-year-old children running from the tent of the the morning uh, and going out and picking up some manna that had came down. Yes, they had seen uh, and yes, they had tasted a little bit uh, of the presence of God and the provision of God, uh, but yet they had never lived or stepped into the promise of God. Uh, how many times do we settle uh, for a generation to come uh, and taste of a little bit of manna, but we have never ushered them into the promises of God? Uh, oh, I feel like preaching this morning. You're just going to have to sit there uh, and endure me for a few moments today uh, because notice uh, they had witnessed the manna uh, they had witnessed a few things uh, but they had never acquired uh, the promise uh, all their life they had been told uh, that there was a land of promise uh, but they had never saw it never stepped into it never experienced it uh, they was even told that it was belonged to them uh, but they had never inhabited uh, her, they had said this uh, there's a harvest over there uh, that you never 
never planted, but it's yours. Uh, there's a house over there that you never built, but it's yours. Uh, they'd never slept in it. Uh, they'd never been in the field. Uh, they'd never experienced it for themselves. Uh, but they had heard it day after day after day. Uh, listen, uh, we bring our children to the house of God and we tell them about the power of the God, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we tell them about God can do anything, uh, but yet we still take them around in circles. Uh, we show them the wilderness over and over and over. Uh, they hear us murmur. Uh, they hear us complain. Uh, they hear us doubt. Uh, they hear us speak unbelief. Uh, they talk about, uh, oh yeah, mama says and daddy says, uh, it used to be like this. Uh, they used to have this. Uh, they used to have that. Uh, but then at the same time, we tell them, uh, there's good days coming. Uh, there's outpourings coming. Uh, but yet they're stuck in the middle. Uh, there's nothing back here. Uh, and there's something over there. Uh, but nobody's ever told them how to get there. Uh, listen, uh, but one by the name of Joshua, uh, he held the key. Uh, his life lived before the people uh, was going to cause them uh, to inherit uh, that which they had been promised. Uh, to cause simply means this, uh, a person or a thing uh, that acts, happens, or exists uh, in such a way uh, that some specific thing happens as a result. Uh, meaning this, uh, it could be said uh, to produce a cause uh, is to be a producer uh, of an effect. Uh, I have to ask you this morning, uh, what have you produced this week? A little quiet this morning. I must remind you today, just like Samuel, just like Esther, just like David, and others we could mention this morning. We too have been called for such a time as this. What do I mean by that this morning? If you was to read 1 Samuel chapter 3, you would read of a story of a young boy that was in the temple. He was laying in the midst of the darkness and all of a sudden he comes running to the priest and he says, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. He lays back down in the midst of the darkness, jumps back up, runs to the priest and says, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. But the third time, did you call me? Didn't call you. He said, when the Lord calls again though, because this time he said, there's something going on in the midst of the darkness. He said, if you hear your name again, just answer. So we find that when you read chapter number three, verse 10 through 12, it says, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered and said, speak for thy servant heareth. The Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel. Notice Samuel began to be the first one to fill the office of the prophet the Lord was simply saying, I'm calling you forth, Samuel, because of the simple fact I'm going to use you to be a producer of an effect for Israel. You could talk to me today about Esther. Oh, she was beautiful. Yes, she was chosen to be queen. Yes, she had the favor. But at the same time, the enemy was plotting and moving and twisting 
and we find that Mordecai is sitting in the gate in sackcloth and ashes, weeping and mourning, and she goes and gets word. Why is he doing this? Give him clothes, give him garments, let him be clothed. Uh, and he says, listen, uh, just because you're sitting there does not mean you're exempt uh, from what the enemy is trying to do here. Uh, and after talking, he says this, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Uh, and after the conversation, you know the story this morning, uh, she simply says, uh, have everybody go fast and pray for three days. And I and my maid servants will do the same. And then I will go in to the king, uh, even though I've not been invited. Uh, and if I perish, I perish. She was simply saying, uh, I accept the responsibility uh, to be the one uh, that produces an effect. Uh, I don't know the outcome. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. Uh, but all I know is that I have been called uh, for this season. Uh, people may not understand it. People may not even like it. Uh, it may even make them uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm going to go in and stand before the king. Uh, and can I tell you when she walked in, arrayed in the garment of the uh, 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 of the kingdom, uh, she began to see that golden scepter began to be lifted. Uh, and he said, come. Uh, can I tell you this morning uh, when somebody accepts the call of God, uh, you don't have to worry about being rejected by men uh, because the only one that matters uh, is the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, and when he raises that scepter, uh, no man can harm you. Uh, no man can destroy you. Uh, but there nothing can come nigh your dwelling. Uh, listen, uh, we got to get to the place uh, where we understand uh, for such a time as this. I could talk to you this morning about David. David, just a shepherd boy. Everybody overlooked him. Uh, nobody thought he was of value. Uh, but we know uh, when the horn of oil showed up in town uh, and all the sons of Jesse began to walk by uh, and the Lord said, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him, uh, that's not him, and that's not him, and that's not him, and that's not him. Uh, is this all there is? Uh, well, no, uh, there's one more. Uh, he's out in the field with the sheep. Uh, well you better go get him uh, because we're not sitting down till he gets here uh, when he walked in uh, he didn't have to say a word uh, but the Lord said that's the man uh, notice uh, in that moment uh, he was anointed with a horn of oil uh, he went back to the field uh, tended the sheep uh, yes there was a bear that came along but it didn't win uh, yes there was a lion that came along but it didn't win uh, yes there was one day Jesse said uh, I know you been anointed. Uh, I know all of those things, uh, but I still need some cheese to go to your brothers uh, and I need to know how they're doing. Uh, when you get there in that story you will find uh, that one of his older brothers uh, said, why in the world are you here? Uh, he was rejected by him, uh, but he simply said this, uh, what have I now done? Uh, he said, is there not a cause? Uh, he said, don't let anybody's heart fail, O King Saul, uh, but I'll go out and I'll fight that Philistine giant. Uh, and can I tell you what happened? Uh, an army of Israel, uh, that every time that giant would come out and begin to 
beat his chest, uh, they would retreat. Uh, but when a little shepherd boy uh, with five stones and a sling uh, went out there uh, and produced an effect that nobody else would, uh, when he began to sling that thing uh, and they saw a giant fall, uh, an army quit retreating uh, and it began to advance uh, and it began to destroy uh, an adversary. Uh, listen, uh, I don't need everybody to have courage. Uh, I just need one. Uh, I just need somebody uh, to stand and say, I'm tired of being sick and tired. Uh, I'm tired of going to church and singing a song. Uh, I'm tired uh, of nobody getting saved, delivered, and set free. Uh, I think I'll just stand up uh, and be a voice uh, and tell somebody about Jesus. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I feel the preacher this morning. Uh, I wish somebody uh, would get a little bit excited uh, because God's still God this morning. Oh, Lord, help me. I've not lost my mind. I've just been alone with Jesus. Uh, and can I tell you, uh, there's somebody uh, that needs to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, it's not over uh, and it's not going down in defeat. Uh, but we are just now about to make our presence known. Uh, and the world uh, is about to see the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus and he said this, for by grace are you saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But he doesn't stop there. Go on down to verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself been the chief cornerstone. Think about that. You and I, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself, in whom all the building firmly and fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know this, but let me tell you this this morning. He doesn't just dwell in this house, but he dwells in this house. But when this house joins with this house, and that house joins with that house, and that house joins with that house, and joins with that house, there is a habitation that is developed, and then he, as he dwells there, listen, something begins to be released from there. If that's not enough, Jesus himself is recorded as saying the following. We often reference this passage of scripture as the great commission, but Jesus came in Matthew 28, 18 and 20 after his resurrection. He says this, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. But if you wish to read Mark 16, 15 through 18, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What he is saying is go cause someone to be attracted to me. What he's saying is go be the cause. What does that mean? A person that acts in a manner that makes a specific thing happen, meaning go produce an effect for the kingdom. I could say it this way, but I don't know if I trust you enough or not to tell you this. He says, go produce some problems for the enemy. Go agitate him in such a way that he loses his mind. Go tell somebody the good news and shine the light in the world. What I'm saying this morning is this, our lives should follow the principles of that of Joshua. Where we started this morning, our lives should be causing a stir, not just in our families, but in our communities, as well as our nation and the nations of the world. You see, if you was to read Matthew chapter 5, there, there's some things that you probably can quote. Jesus simply, he goes through this whole thing through 3 through 13. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed, are, blessed, blessed, blessed. And then he says, but notice this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but put it on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What are you saying is this. Just like Joshua received a charge, you and I have received a charge from Jesus Christ our Lord. The charge is to produce an effect. Here's the sad reality today in America, especially. When we walk out of here today, we can turn our lights out, we can lock our doors, and our city will continue to function like nothing really happened. But let us walk into Walmart or Kroger and shut their lights out and lock their doors and let's see how it affects our city. Think about it. Our ability to produce a cause cannot be ignored or neglected. I'm not saying that we're not valuable. I'm saying that we're more valuable than what we understand. 
when we decide to barely be the church that God has called us to be. I'm calling you and I to a place of radical obedience to the Word of God this morning. That's all this is about. It's time to cause a generation to experience the promise. I'm reminded of the story of a gentleman by the name of Todd White. Some of you may know who he is. I don't necessarily like his hair, but that's all right. I like the guy. Todd White lived on the street for 30 years. He was homeless. He was a drug addict. He was a drug dealer. But for 30 years, he said this. People walked by me for 30 years and nobody stopped and took time to tell me about Jesus for 30 years. But on a particular day, he had stolen drugs from another drug dealer. That drug dealer come and stood in front of him, pulled a nine millimeter out and emptied that gun at point blank range in front of him. And as he stood there unharmed, he heard this. The Lord spoke to him and said, listen, I took every one of those bullets for you. Will you now serve me? Now he is producing an effect because he's everywhere. Sharing the good news of God and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. If you run into Todd White in the mall and you're limping, you're his target. If you're in a wheelchair, you're his target. If you got a frown on your face, you're his target. He simply says this, what most people call an inconvenience really is an opportunity. Because he has understood this, I am going to be a man that produces an effect for my generation. Think about it. I have to ask the question, is your life, is my life impacting a generation? But I have to take it a little bit further this morning. And I'm trying. I'm going to begin the process of closing. How's that? I'm going to start saying it that way. Because it is a process. I must ask the question today. Daddy, who is leading your children? But more importantly, where have they been led? How well are you covering your wife, husband? And how effective are you at being the high priest of your home. I have to ask, is your son on track this morning to becoming the David of his generation? Or has he been influenced by demonic oppression and demonic spirits of hell to be something other than what he was created to be? Daddy, I can't take that place for you. That's your responsibility. I'll help you. I'll hold up your hands when you're weary. I'll do life with you. But it's your responsibility. And I must ask you, Mommy, that's sitting here this morning, what are you encouraging your daughter to be? I know this may make you uncomfortable this morning, but can I tell you, I'm disturbed. Are you encouraging daughters to be an object that entice the eyes of men? Or are you raising them to be an Esther to save their generation? What about teaching them the beauty of modesty? 
Whose example are they following? If that example is you, are you producing something that you truly want them to be? Are you producing a young lady that's producing an effect that will draw men and women to the kingdom of God? Or what's the priority? Mommy, I can't do that for you here. I can stand here and preach, teach, just words. Until things begin to be enforced by those that have the authority over those children. The day has come for we, the church, to stop circling. Because we are guilty this morning of giving birth to a generation in a wilderness. I know we don't like to hear it, we don't like to acknowledge it, but when I mess up, I'm the first one, I raise my hand and say, I did it, I messed up. Listen, we've messed up. We've told them about yesteryears. It's wonderful to visit there, but it's detrimental to live there. It's wonderful what happened at Brownsville. It's wonderful what happened at Toronto. It's wonderful that what happened at Cane Ridge. It's wonderful to talk about all of that. But in the midst of talking all about that, we birthed a generation and we've taught them religious activities. And we've never taught them the presence of the promise. They've seen it from a distance. They've tasted a little bit of manna, but they've never lived there. I need somebody today to begin to cause a stir. I wonder what would happen if your children was to begin to hear you crying out to God in the early morning hours. I wonder what would happen if they'd begin to hear you just burst out in song and thanksgiving. I wonder what would happen if you began to dust off the family Bible and Say, before you go to bed tonight, we're all going to come in and we're all going to read this and you're going to tell me what you think of it. Oh, I know, you, I, I know you worked all day and I know you got a lot of responsibilities and, and, I, and I'm not taking light of all of that, but I also know this, that you can look at your usage time for all of your social media and you probably was on there for three or four hours. And you're going to tell this pastor you don't have 30 minutes to spend time with your son or your daughter? Shame on you. See, I love you enough to be honest with you. Shame on you. Can I really make that big of an impact? Yes, you can. Does anybody in here know the name Edward Kimball? Anybody know that name? Edward Kimball. Okay. The year was 1855. Edward Kimball... He's just Sunday school teacher. That's all he was, just Sunday school teacher. But he had a young boy that just wasn't getting it. He just wasn't paying attention. He is there, wasn't there. He's there, wasn't there. Just wasn't getting it. But this young boy, he worked at the local shoe store. And it really bothered Edward that he just didn't seem to pay much attention. 
So Edward went down to the shoe store and walked in and said, Dwight, can I talk to you for a minute? And began to talk to Dwight, and this is all he said. He didn't preach him a sermon, didn't do anything like that. He just said, Dwight, do you know that God really loves you? Began to talk to him. It was in that moment that Dwight gave his heart to Jesus. Dwight is better known as D.L. Moody. Okay. D.L. Moody began to follow after the things of God. D.L. Moody began to preach, found himself in England. As he was preaching in England, there was a man by the name of F.B. Myers. He heard D.L. Moody preach, and he gave his heart to the Lord. F.B. Myers became a Bible scholar of his day and ended up coming from England to the United States of America and began to teach and preach on college campuses. And there was one by the name of Wilburn Chapman that heard him. Mr. Chapman began to surrender his life and so happened that Mr. Chapman became a co-worker with D.L. Moody. We see the circle beginning to form. But as things continued, Mr. Chapman needed an assistant, so he hired an ex-baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday gave his heart to Jesus and became a world-renowned evangelist. Billy Sunday ended up in North Carolina and started the Businessmen's Council, was later named that. And there was one named Mordecai Ham that was invited to preach there. Powerful man. And under his preaching sat a young man by the name of Billy Graham who touched millions around the globe. What am I saying today? There'd have been no Billy Graham. There'd have been no Mordecai Ham. There'd have been no Billy Sunday. There would have been no Mr. Chamber, there would have been no Mr. Myers, and there would never been no Mr. Moody if it hadn't have been for a Mr. Edward Kimball that nobody knows because he was just one that said, I think I'll produce an effect. He didn't know how big of an effect he was going to make, but what an effect he made. Notice the effect didn't come from a platform. It didn't come from a microphone. It didn't come from this large space of talent. It came from a one-on visit where a man said, God loves you. How many opportunities have we wasted of telling somebody God loves them? Oh, that's just one-off story, Pastor. That's just, that's just one of those fluke things. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning may remember the name that is mentioned often here, and that is Pastor David Wilkerson. Pastor David Wilkerson lived in Pennsylvania, had his little white house, his little white picket fence, and everything was good, pastoring a little church. But one day, the Lord simply said, I want you to go to New York City, and I want you to begin to reach. He walked where angels feared. Detroit is what they said in the 70s, 60s. 
When he arrived, there was nothing other than violence overrunning that part of New York City. He walked onto the street corner. He began to preach. He had no permit. He had requested no assistance. The police department arrives and they start to shut him down. But there was one police officer that came on the scene because he noticed there was a group of people that was paying attention. And he simply said these words, let the man speak. The rest of the police officers stepped back. Mr. Delaney is his name. Mr. Delaney, he stood, let him speak. In that meeting, that day, was a gentleman by the name of Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz was a leader of one of the most violent gangs of that time. Nicky Cruz is now a pastor and has reached around the globe and is still reaching today. But the story doesn't end there. Mr. Delaney, the man that simply said, just a police officer that loved Jesus, just a police officer, simply said, let the man speak. All of these years later, after the humble beginnings of a street preacher that turned into the famous Times Square Church of New York City that David Wilkerson pastored for years. And then Pastor Carter comes along and pastors. But now, right before the pandemic happened, there was another transition. And do you know who's pastoring that church today, this morning? Is Mr. Delaney's son, Tim. The man that said 40 years ago, let the man speak. His son now stands in the platform this morning declaring the good news of Jesus because somebody produced an effect. This morning, what kind of effect are you producing? As they come to the music this morning, It's wonderful that we're here. But let me remind you that we're here for one reason. We're here to be edified and equipped. It don't take much edification and much equipping to walk from this house, get in your car, and go back to your week, and then come back and be here next Sunday. Don't take much edification for that. Don't take much equipping for that. But it takes a lot of edification, equipping to go out and put yourself out there and just begin to love people. Because he says this, doesn't matter where you find yourself, whether you're standing before the kings of the world, don't think about what you'll say. He said, I'll, I'll be faithful to fill your mouth. So you don't sweat it. And you don't get all uptight about it. You just, you just do it. See, if we're going to come in here and be edified and equipped, we got to produce an effect out there. You say, why is that so important? It's because there's a promise that we have not yet stepped into. When Peter stood on the balcony of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, 
he quoted the prophet Joel. And he said, this is that which the prophet spoke of. That in the last days, God said he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters, handmaidens, everybody going to experience. We've always looked at that as been futuristic. But can I tell you, the last days started in Acts chapter 2. That was where it was birthed. We're not entering into the last days, friend, but we're coming to the close of the last days. And with that being said, I have to give you this warning. Jesus himself said, work while it's day, because there comes a day when no man will be able to work. We are nearing that day. The work is almost done. I make some of you jealous, but I don't mean to, that every night this week, I walked out to the, the edge of the ocean, and I looked, and I watched the sun over the water. At 7.15, it just started. The colors began to dance and radiate and began to drop little drop little more it was nice Debbie had her head on my shoulder she acted like she loved me that every night we watched the sunset but you know when that sun went down the landscape changed everything was different can I tell you the sun is setting Night is upon us. And there's a generation that's not yet stepped into the promise. Maybe they've heard us talk about it. Maybe they've never heard about it at all. Maybe some's longed for it and desired it, but yet they've never been taught how to get there. But you and I sitting in this room today, we know. I look around this room today, you know. You can testify the goodness of God. You can testify the provision of God. You could raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor, he's been good to me. You could sit here and say, there's times I didn't know how it was going to work out, but God came through. But what have you done with that? What have you done with that testimony? You see, I I was raised in a day where the saints of God would stand and they'd say, "I, I I just gotta thank God for being so good to me. I just gotta thank him for saving me and sanctifying me and The sisters would say it this way, and filling me with that sweet Holy Ghost. Anybody remember that? Then about the time they get that, then it was like this, because they'd feel it, right? Because it was a confirmation of the goodness of God, the grace of God, and I can remember when 
the men of God would stand and talk about the provision of God and the grace of God in such a way and the presence of God would fill the room that all of a sudden the baby would quit crying and a stillness was there. And I might have been under the seat playing with a hot wheel, but all of a sudden I knew something changed in the room and my head had come out from under the pew and I'd look around and say, what in the world's going on? Something's here. But when was your children disrupted by the Holy Ghost? In the house of God. We say we have power. We say we have authority, but our children never seen it. We've birthed them in a wilderness. I'm going to tell you something. There's more to this thing than what you presently have. I've not been mean this morning, but I've been real with you. There's more because can I tell you, there's still miracle working power. There's still supernatural benefits to this thing. There's still joy unspeakable. There's still peace that passes all understanding. There's still healing flowing from Emmanuel's veins. There is still the power to raise the dead in this thing. So what did Joshua do? I didn't forget where I started. I told you it was a process to close this morning. Here's what he did. Here's what he did. Tyler, can you come and help me? Just for a minute. Katie, can you come and help me just for a minute? See, they've always, they've always been here. They've always been here. Okay. And there's always been, there's always been stuff in their way. Always been stuff in their way stuff in their way Joshua said sanctify yourself Joshua chapter 1 prepare yourself we're going to cross over this Jordan you never passed this way before but what did he do he called the priest Alvin can I borrow you for a moment Randy, can I bother you, bother you for a moment? Just for a moment. I don't have an ark, but I wish I did. Get on the front of the, one side of that, and you on the side. This is an ark. Lord, this is spontaneous. <laughs> Called the priest to pick up the ark. He said, now, priest... You're going to step into this thing. I know it's raging. I know it's an obstacle. I know it looks impossible. But I want you to step into this thing because there's a generation that's getting ready to go into the promise that they've never, ever experienced. So as you began to walk this morning, I want you to just walk this way. Notice as you stepped over this way, all of a sudden, supernaturally, God started doing something when their feet went in. Something happened. A Jordan popping. Now they just stood there. Now, 
as you're standing in the banks of the Jordan, I'm going to ask you to step back this way. All of a sudden, as they're standing, I don't know how big the opening was. All I know is that the water was over here and the water was over here. Joshua's here. He says, now, the Lord said I was going to create a cause and an effect. Now, this generation, they was birthed in the wilderness. They, they don't know what it's like. They've tasted a little bit of manna, but they've never been that close to the promise. So I want you to follow me. See, the priest opened up a doorway. This generation come through, they stepped on ground that they had never, never seen before. Now we're here. Now. Now we're here. All right. Now when we cross over, all of a sudden we see something else. I'm sorry. We see Jericho. It's another fortified city. Listen. Now what are we going to do? Because just on the other side of Jericho, I see a harvest that I've never tasted yet. Uh, I see houses that I've never yet. Uh, now the priest is what opened up. Uh, but listen, this time, when you get to Jericho, can I have me a couple dear saints? Can I just, you're all close enough. Can I tell you? Right now, it wasn't just the priest carrying the ark. Uh, but now as the priest is here, uh, come on now, get up here, priest. Uh, we've crossed the Jordan. Uh, now this, this is going to be a tight circle, but we're going to make it happen. Uh, Listen, uh, I told you it was a process to close. I want you to just begin to go in circles. Uh, but this time it wasn't just the priest, uh, but it was the mamas, uh, it was the daddies, uh, it was everything. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, something that was strong, uh, something that wasn't able to be penetrated. Uh, listen, uh, Joshua's just been obedient to the call. Uh, he was just listening to the voice of God. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, there's something happens. Uh, this begins to crumble and fall. Uh, this begins to crumble and fall. This begins to crumble and fall. And now this generation is able to walk over here to a place of promise. They've never sat in this place before. They've never been here before. But because somebody decided to say I'll be at which God's called me to be. Can I tell you in the year 2021 I need somebody to just say I'll be who God's called me to be. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. As everybody else stands, uh, just stay standing with them uh, this morning. What I'm saying this morning, church, there is a need to impact a generation. You're going to have to shake off your religious spirit. You're going to have to shake off your ideal. And you're going to have to say, what does God say? concerning this hour and this season. Uh, it's all about harvest. Uh, it's all about being who God's called you to be. Uh, it's all about stepping out in faith uh, and believing that he's more than able. Uh, I just wonder, uh, is there any Edwards in the room this morning? Uh, is there any Mr. Delaney's this morning uh, that would simply say, just let the man speak uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen through your obedience I said all of that to say this this morning is there anybody in the room that is simply say I'll be the one that simply says I'll trust and obey I'll be the one that simply just says I'll trust you Jesus I'm not going to make a 
big deal this morning. Other than this, I'm just going to call you. Just like Joshua, you've received a charge. Moses didn't lay his hand on you, but Jesus did. And he simply said, go. Is there anybody in this room willing to go? Go next door to your neighbor. Go next door to your community. Go to your state. Go to your nation. Go to the nations of the world. Listen. You say, but how does this really work, preacher? Can I tell you earlier this week, early in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, my phone goes off. I roll over. Brother Derek's on the line. Pastor, we're in trouble. Okay. But about the time he's saying he's in trouble, about six lanes of traffic this way, six lanes of traffic this way, there's a man by the name of Jose driving. Jose's story is this. I'm driving and the Holy Spirit says, turn around and help that man. Jose turns, crosses 12 lanes of traffic, circles back around, comes back, pulls up. Had everything in his truck that was needed to get Brother Derek out of trouble. Because he became a cause. He produced an effect. And because of what that man did, there's a mobile clinic sitting at Belize border this morning waiting for customs to open up in the morning so they can get home. Because somebody produced a cause. Is there anybody in the room that will produce a cause this morning? You say, that's me, preacher. I want you to come stand across the front of this building. We're going to pray together. I don't know what you're waiting on this morning. Because see, when we produce a cause, we're going to touch a family. We're going to touch a community. We're going to touch a world. We're going, to be, we're going to be the one that produces the cause. You may see yourself as inadequate this morning, but God sees you as his son, his daughter. He sees you as the one that he's called and equipped for this hour and this season. Today. Today, let's be the Joshua's of our generation. And let's begin to take a generation into the promise. Whether you're standing here or standing in your seat this morning, I want us just to lift our hands and begin to pray. I'm going to pray over you this morning. But I want you to just begin to make yourself available. Say, God, I'm available. God, I'll be who you call me to be. Maybe you resisted that gift, that calling, that area of your life. Maybe you've resisted it. But God's saying, no longer resist, but step into that which I'm calling and placing you to be. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come this morning as we stand together corporately, as we stand as individuals. Father, I speak power, I speak blessing, I speak favor, I speak fresh anointing over your people. Lord, as they've responded, as they stand in this sanctuary all across this building from the front to the back. Father, today I pray that there would just be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Lord, in any area that there may be lack, I pray that there would be increase today. 
I speak against darkness and I proclaim light over them. I speak health to their body. I speak health to their spirit. Uh, I speak for clarity of mind. Uh, I, I speak to peace to their soul today. Uh, and Lord, I pray uh, that there would just be an, a, an igniting of the flame. Lord, that which Paul said to Timothy, Lord, let them stir up the gift that's inside of them today. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. But Lord, I ask that you would continue to lead us, guide us, direct us, so that we could effectively reach this generation. Fathers, we're standing together this morning. Lord, I pray that you would receive our hands lifted as a sign of worship and acknowledging of who you are. Lord, I pray if there is a need present in this room, that that need would be met by the power and the anointing of God. Lord, I speak to sick bodies and declare them to be healed. I speak for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be manifested not just upon those that's in this house, but those in the classrooms, uh, in the other building this morning. Father, I pray for a manifestation of your power and your glory. Help us, Lord, to step into the promises that's been spoken for this generation. Lord, we're preparing for the latter rain. Lord, we're praying and we're believing and trusting right now for the form of the latter to come together. Lord, in this final hour, this final time of harvest, Lord, we're believing and trusting it to be the most beautiful time, the most powerful time. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray for every family, those that's in this room, those that's joining us by way of live stream. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you'd shine brightly upon them, give them blessed peace today. Lord, of those things that's overwhelming to them, that's kept them tossing and turning at night, Lord, as they give those things to you, I'm praying today would be the day, Lord, that there would just be a rest. There would just be a rest. Lord, maybe there's ones here this morning that are just heavy today. They just feel overwhelmed. They don't understand your ways, Lord. We've all been there. But Lord, I, let them be reassured that you've, you're not absent from the situation, but you're getting ready to receive glory by what you're getting ready to do. You're getting ready to you're getting ready to do something unexpected, Lord, in these situations. I sense that in my spirit. I feel like I need to speak to somebody in this room. You're heavy. You're a little overwhelmed today. Maybe you just feel like it's just been just hard to even get your breath this week because you just don't understand. You don't understand why it's this way. I feel like the Lord would tell you just... Just stand fast. Just stand still. He's getting ready to show himself mightily. I want to speak to someone this morning and tell you there's a healing touch that's coming unexpectedly. There's a divine reversal coming. The Lord would say this. I have seen the faithfulness of you and I am going to bring healing in the midst of turmoil. In the midst of what looks dark, God says, I'm getting ready to let my marvelous light shine. And it is going to, it's going to boggle. I hear the Lord saying in my spirit, it's going to boggle the minds of those because they're not going to understand. 
we are stepping into a supernatural prophetic fulfillment season. How do you know that, preacher? Many of you into the sound of my voice this morning, you know, you know our friend, Pastor Chris Levitt over at the Cross Point. His mother's been going through a very difficult time. But last Saturday night, I believe it was Saturday night, they came back into the hospital room. She had a massive blockage in her neck. Brother Chris, he tries to be rough and tough. He's just a teddy bear once you get to know him. He's in the car driving, trying to tell the story, tears coming down his face. And he said this. He said, they came in and they said, they don't understand, they don't know, but that clot, the, the, the biggest obstacle that they had, the clot is, was gone. It was just gone. Now, Sister Lovett's got a, got a long way to go, but we're serving a big God. God is moving on her behalf. And this is what Chris's request was Sunday. I will, Sunday or, I don't know, my days are getting mixed up, but he... I didn't, wasn't able to do it when they was talking about it, so I'll do it today. He said, if you do me a favor, he said, when you go to the house of the Lord Sunday, he said, whether you know us or not, doesn't even matter. But he said this, he said, would you just raise your hands and tell Jesus, thank you for touching my mama. Can I tell you? I thank you, Jesus, for touching my friend's mama. Why? Why is that important? Listen. Because a lot of things that we think matters doesn't matter. What does matter is that this world steps into the places of promise. See, when everybody can focus on Jesus and his goodness, his power, and his promises, Joshua's just a man. You don't read in the Bible where he possessed any special talent, any special ability. He was just a man that was found faithful. I don't know what your strength is, nor do I know what your weakness is. It doesn't even matter to me. What matters is you just be faithful. And you say, I'm going to be the best I can be with every day God gives me. And I'm going to be the one that produces a cause. I'm going to impact a generation. And I'm going to lead them into the promise. His promises are yea and amen to him that believes. His promise says if you train them up... When they're old, they won't depart from it. You look around, maybe some of them's not sitting with you today, but you trained them. So I could stand here with confidence and tell you they're coming home. He was wounded. He was beaten. For you and I, by his stripes, we are healed. I don't hope I can get healed. I'm healed. 
So that's a little radical, preacher. No, it's just radical obedience to the Word of God. This morning, I think I'll just keep believing. I think I'll keep on praising. And I think I'll keep on leading. But how about you this morning? Just think about if we lock arms together in this house and with houses of worship all across this Whitewater Valley and across our nation. Oh, what we can accomplish. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me speak a blessing over you this morning. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he shine brightly upon you and give you blessed peace. Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us. And we love you, and God bless you.